You're listening to the Grace Through Faith weekly podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. He actually wrote a song whenever, after all of this happened. Look at Psalm 34. Verse 1. You got to read the subheading. This is, this is a, a, an attribution, a credit to who actually wrote this song. And it says, this is a psalm of David. When he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. Now don't get hung up on Abimelech and Ashish. It's just kind of this weird thing. Apparently this guy had a couple names that he went by. But it's the same exact scenario. This is the only time in the Bible where David acted so crazy that he got kicked out of his enemy's home. This is the song that he wrote at one of the lowest points of his life. I want you to listen to this. Verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. God is so good. In this crazy moment, this moment of despair, this moment where David, if you can can think where he was just not so long ago, they were singing songs about him in Israel, and now he was banging his head and letting spit run down his beard and acting like a crazy man to escape his enemies. If there was a low point, this was it. And he's still saying, at all times, I will bless the Lord. There's three things that I want you to see, three words in this psalm that I want to draw out for you and I today. And the first one is in verse 3. Look at verse 3 again. Magnify. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. You know, to magnify something means to make it big. And I I really do believe this. Whenever things are not going well for you, it should be a purpose within your soul to make God bigger than your problem. It should be something that you and I pivot to instead of grabbing onto offense and bitterness and despair and depression that we turn to a place of magnifying God bigger than our problems. Amen? David latched onto this, and he was in this place where, where his, his enemy was seeking him in Israel, and he ran to his enemy. He had enemies surrounding him. And he said, I will magnify God. He's going to become bigger in my life than this situation that's going on right now. Now, here's the thing that I want you to see about David, because as he begins to expose this in this song, all of his problems are not over. He says in here, look at, look at verse 4 again. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Listen, David's situation did not change this day. He got kicked out of Ashish's house and he ran and he fled and he, he, he lived in a cave for years. Because Saul was still trying to murder him. 
So I want you to understand that on this day, as God delivered him in the city of Gath from that terrible thing, this terrible thing over here was not over. Yet David still says, the Lord has delivered me from all of my fears. There's something that changed in his perspective where he was gripped with fear so much before, before the king of Gath that he, he started acting like a crazy person to the point where he said, okay, my anxiety's done. What I was worried about, I'm putting that behind me. And listen, his situation still had not changed. He began to prophesy to the atmosphere and the environment in his life that his enemies were all, they were all fled from him. That his problems were all over and he was putting his trust in the Lord to magnify God bigger than the problems and trusting that God was going to bring a resolution and salvation to him. See, if you and I are going to get to a place no matter what's going on in your life where you can bless the Lord at all times, you have to get into the practice of magnifying God bigger than your problems. It's a discipline. It feels foolish. Whenever it seems like everything, you lose your job or bad things happens to one of your kids and it's like all of your emotional focus is on that thing right there than to change your perspective and look to the Lord and to bless God. Which brings me to the second thing that I want you to see here. Look at verse 5. Those who look to him are radiant. Say radiant. Those who look to God are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. Here's this thing. that I want you to see the word radiant because there's something that happened in David. There's a shift that happened in his soul whenever he took his focus off of what was going on and shifted it to his God. His face became radiant. His attitude changed. His perspective changed. Listen, if, if you and I want to get to a place where we bless the Lord at all times, we have to begin to shift what we're focusing on. Pastor April preached this last week and she talked about the, the verse in Philippians where, where Paul says, Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. It's really important for you to fix your eyes on the God over your problems and not your, the problems that you're experiencing themselves. There's this thing that happened. There's this physical thing that happened, okay? Whenever it says that you look to. Everybody, I want you to do this for me, okay? Can you all help me out today? Do this. Yes, I'm going to help you out, Pastor Jory. Look to your left. Look to your right. That does not happen unless you intend for it to happen. If you want something to happen in your life, you know, I think that we kind of sometimes have this mentality that's like, one of these days I'm just going to wake up and I'm going to get a break. You know, things are going to change. Listen, if you're going to wait for that, you're more than welcome to. But I, I live in this place where it's like, God, I'm going to intend something today. I'm going to go happen to life. I'm not going to let life happen to me. And there's this, this reality in what, God is, in what David is saying in verse 5, where those who shift their perspective, those who look to the Lord, something changes in their countenance. Something changes in their soul. There's a shift that happens in their attitude. Here's, here's a way that I love that this is said sometimes. Is you know, grateful people are attractive. Have you ever been around people who just have a lot of gratitude and they're grateful for things? And probably the best example I could give you is your kids. 
And whenever your kids are not grateful and they're, they're, you know, they're gripey and, and they're just taking everything for granted, what do you want to do, mom and dad? There's this repulsive thing that happens. It's a repelling that happens whenever you're around a disgruntled person or they're not grateful for what, what is going right in their life and they're only focused on the things that are going wrong. But listen, if you can shift your perspective to being grateful for the things that are going well, for the goodness that's going on in your life, that does not say that there's not some difficulty that you're going through. All it says is, I'm going to look to the Lord. I'm going to shift my perspective. And what David says is, your face will become radiant. You will become attractive, not only to other people around you, but also to God and his blessing. Look at verse 8. Taste and see. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. You know, tasting and seeing is interactive and it's experiential. When we interact with God in worship, we will experience his goodness in our lives. I've been in moments in my journey with God where it just felt like he wasn't there. You know what I'm talking about? Just kind of, I'm the only one. All right, okay. Nobody wants to admit it at least today. There's been moments in my life where I was like, God, are you, are you watching what's happening right now? You're like kind of knocking on his door going, are you paying attention to this? I feel like I'm all alone. I feel like you've left me. And listen, in those moments, I have to shift my perspective like we just talked about, and I have to start searching for the good. You have to look for it. Because one of the things that happens whenever your soul is bound up in anxiety and fear is all you can focus on is the things that are going negative. And if you begin to shift your perspective and begin to look for the goodness of God, and listen, the primary way that that happens is getting into his word and bringing worship to your mouth. This is interactive. It's not an intellectual ascent. What, what's, what David is saying here is this is a song that he sung. It came out of his mouth in his darkest moment. He could have gone to this cave and been like, well, crap. It's like, got, got away from Saul, got away from the king of Gath, and here I am in a stinky cave. But this is the song that came out of his mouth. And you know what happened in that cave? Is it says... As he settled in that cave and began to live there for a couple of years, that his family came. And then, some of the most rejected but tough men in Israel began to gather around David. And he began to develop his mighty men. And these mighty men with David were the ones that helped him ascend to become the king. Here, here's this thing that's kind of just a burden in my soul today, is if you're going get to get to be a person who focuses on the goodness of the Lord, where you say, I will bless the Lord at all times, no matter what, I'm going to allow the blessing of the Lord to come out of my mouth, not criticism, not despair, not anxiety, then you're going to have to get to a place where you interact with and you experience the goodness of the Lord. Remind yourself of where God has come through for you in the past. Allow somebody else's testimony to inspire your soul. And that's what David was laying a hold of. What's your song when your world begins to fall apart? What's your Facebook feed say? That, that really is a great measure. You know, th this is something that's happened in the last couple of years in November. And, and uh, I think it's a, a cool thing. But 
I don't know if you've been on Facebook and you've seen people do the Thanksgiving challenge and, you know, they post something every day with something that they're grateful for. It's, it's a little bit too girly for me, and I didn't do it the last couple of years. However, the thought and the concept is true. If you will commit to orient your heart to begin to vocally profess your gratitude to God, it's going to change something in your life. It's going to change your countenance. You'll become radiant. The atmosphere of your heart is going to change. The atmosphere of your home is going to change. If you establish a culture of gratitude and blessing and praise and worship to God, and where you begin to focus on His goodness, not on the terrible things that are going on all around you, it will change everything in your life. And so this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to lay forth a challenge for you this November. Because I just have this feeling that as we enter into this week, I had this belief about a couple months ago. I was like, hey, once we get to you know, November 3rd, all this craziness in our country is going to go away. This is all political. I don't believe that anymore. I think it's probably going to continue for a little while. And this is going to be drug out for the rest of the year. So it's even more so imperative that we decide what kind of atmosphere that we want to live in. No matter what's going on around us in our country, no matter what's going on around you at your workplace, in your family situation, with your health, you can choose to cultivate an atmosphere where the blessing of God is realized by you. It doesn't change. Like I said earlier, whatever difficulty is going on in your life right now does not negate the goodness of God. He's still good. He's still great. And us realizing his goodness and proclaiming his goodness is the thing that begins to cause our heart to shift. And so I want you to begin to, to commit this month, to, to allow this month of thanksgiving to be the, just the catalyst to help you get off of high center. If this is for you, and, and I just have this, this sneaking suspicion that this is for a lot of us in our country right now. If you want to be a pessimist, it's real easy right now. And so choose to be a person who sees the goodness of the Lord, acknowledges it, and allows it to govern the atmosphere of your heart. Amen? Amen. Have you stand with me this morning. I want to just challenge you, and I want to tell you the rest of some of David's story in this cave while the worship team's getting ready. And if you need communion elements, if you just raise your hand, we'll pass those out. But I really do want to challenge you to adopt a vocabulary of blessing and gratitude in this month. Uh, this is an exercise, and I really do mean this, it's an intentioned exercise that we do in our home every single November. We gather around a table later in the month, and we, we actually say what we're thankful for. And I'll just be honest with you. There's been Thanksgivings that we've celebrated that I've had to really search for something to be thankful about. It doesn't change the fact that God is good. And then it's worth searching for the goodness of God to establish it in my heart. Listen, as David was living in that cave for a couple of years, he had two opportunities to kill King Saul. Kind of a, an ironic and funny story. King Saul is seeking David's life and he's looking to kill him and he stumbles into this cave that David is living in to relieve himself. 
And David has an opportunity to draw the sword. And he actually had a friend there with him. And he was like, go ahead, kill him. And David's character would not allow him to do it. Listen, as you and I begin to focus on the goodness of the Lord, this is the thing that it will do. As you begin to develop a vocabulary that begins to magnify God and His goodness, as you begin to cultivate a lifestyle of worship, it shapes your character. It shapes who you are. It changes the culture of your family if you become a family who says, let us be a family who magnifies the Lord. That was David's invitation to the reader, to to those who were singing Psalm 34 with him. Oh, let us magnify the Lord together. And as we do that, it changes the culture. It changes the atmosphere. And so I just want to ask you to just bow your head. And if you're in a place in your life right now where you feel like things are falling apart, and you would say, God, I need you to come change my atmosphere. I need you to come change my perspective. I want to just ask you to raise your hand. Father, we've prayed for our nation this morning, but I pray for these individuals. I pray, I don't know what's going on in their life specifically, but God, I just pray in the name of Jesus right now that you would begin to remind them and reveal to them your goodness. Bring memories back, God. Bring people into their path that would share a testimony and encouraging word with them. But Lord, I just pray that you would begin to set our minds on our personal experience of your goodness in our life. Help us dig it out. Show it to us, God, so that we can fix our eyes on it and be shaped by it. In Jesus' name, amen.